God's Word comes to us from Acts chapter 1. Acts 1. We're going to begin reading at verse 1 and read through verse 11 of this first chapter. Acts 1, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we began last time a new series of sermons studying the book of Acts. And I said, children, that Acts is really Luke part two. Uh, The gospel of Luke is Luke part one, tells about all that Jesus began to do and teach. The book of Acts is Luke part two, all that Jesus continues to do and to teach through his followers. I suggested a good title for this book might be uh, The Acts of Jesus, Son of the Father, by the power of the Spirit in the church. This is Jesus acting, Son of the Father, by the power of the Spirit in and among his people. And so since it is the Acts of Jesus, it's appropriate that it starts with the story of Jesus' ascension. Because in Jesus' ascension, we see a change in his ministry. He will move from an earthly ministry directly with his people to a heavenly ministry through those whom he has chosen by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we in our tradition uh, are used to commemorating Ascension Day. That is not a well-known church holiday. 
perhaps one of the reasons that we commemorate the Ascension is because in the Heidelberg Catechism, when we study the Apostles' Creed, we have a particular Lord's Day dealing with the Ascension of Jesus Christ. It is our liturgical tradition, historically, uh, to gather for a worship service on Ascension Day night. And for those of you who want to plan this year, uh, that service will be held only a couple weeks from now on May 21. May 21 is Ascension Day, uh, and if you forget that date, just count 40 days after Easter. We will hold a, a, a service on Ascension Day this year. Since it is our, our tradition and understanding to focus on the story of the Ascension, uh, tonight I'm not going to so much focus on that, on what took place, but rather put our focus on the last words that Jesus speaks before the ascension. Because in these words, he gives words of encouragement, he gives words of comfort, and he gives words of challenge. And just as he would give these words to those who were there seeing him ascend to the heavens, he gives these same words to us in the scriptures, words of encouragement, words of comfort, and words of challenge. We read in verse 4, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Uh, he is getting ready to leave. And it would be very natural for them, after Jesus left, for them too to leave Jerusalem and go back to their life. They were Galileans. They might leave Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the scene of so much difficulty for them. The trial of Jesus. The crucifixion of Jesus. Oh, to be sure, they saw the resurrection also. But all of this emotional baggage surrounding Jerusalem, it would be easy for them to say, you know, let, let, let's just leave this place Let's go back home again. They had seen the death of Jesus, and now, by staying in Jerusalem, they would see the ongoing work of Jesus. While, they were stay while he was with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Wait for the fulfillment of God's promise, the powerful promise that God would give to them. This promise of the Holy Spirit, this promise of a comforter, had been given already back in John chapter 14, 15, 16, before the crucifixion. Now, they had seen Jesus crucified, and you might think, you know, after Jesus was crucified, this would be a good time for the promise to be fulfilled. That comforter God had promised to them. But then, then they saw the resurrection. And again, it, 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 it might be easy for them to think, well, did we miss it? Did we miss the promise? Did, did something happen that, that we weren't aware of? And Jesus, in these words, reminds them, no, you didn't miss anything there is still more to come. The promise of a comforter, the promise of the Holy Spirit still remains for you. And as he reminds them of that promise, he also 
connects them with his work. Look what he says. Uh, Wait for the promise of the Father, which which, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He connects the baptism that he received with the baptism they would receive. And in fact, highlights how how their baptism was, was a baptism not simply with water, but a baptism by the Holy Spirit himself. Remember, children, after Jesus was baptized was when he began his public ministry. Really, one of the first events of Jesus beginning his ministry is the baptism by John. Baptism led to his ministry. And so when Jesus speaks to his disciples, he's connecting his baptism and his ministry with the work he is giving them to do. He says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you something to do. I'm giving you a ministry, a ministry of mine to pursue. It's interesting how how in the Gospels, the followers of Jesus are called disciples. Now, children, disciple just means a learner, someone who is learning something. In the book of Acts, these same men are called disciples. Apostles. Apostles are not learners. Apostles are those who have learned and are now being sent out to teach that which they know. Jesus is is signaling for them their role will be changing. They have, for the last three years or so, been traveling with Jesus, learning from Jesus, soaking up the truth he's giving to them. But he's preparing them because he will be leaving. You are now the apostles. You are the sent ones. The Spirit will equip you. You will do this work, not in your own strength, but in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. I was baptized by John with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so, hearing this, um, they have a question for Jesus. And so, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, there's been a lot of discussion about the disciples' question. Uh, suggesting that they still misunderstood the nature of the kingdom. Uh, You can read in certain commentaries, they will say, look, the disciples were still thinking of an earthly kingdom. Lord, at this time, you're going to restore the kingdom. They were thinking in terms of an earthly kingdom. And while I do think that there is misunderstanding on the disciples' part, I don't think it is, first of all, about the nature of the kingdom. And I I, I say that based on Jesus' answer that he gives to their question. Notice what they say. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons the Father has fixed by his own 
authority. They're questioning the timing. And Jesus answers about the timing. And he says, the timing is not for you to know. God's in control of that. You're being given a commission, a commission to go out and continue the work that I have been doing now as my sent out ones, as my apostles, but as for the timing of how that all works out, that belongs to God. The timing of the growth of the kingdom is God's timing. They were, they misunderstood regarding the time, and I also think and believe they misunderstood regarding who was going to do the work yet. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? And how does he answer that? Verse 8. But, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You're going to be doing this. You'll receive the power. They wanted to continue in their role as disciples, as the learners. Jesus says, no, no, the, your commission is changing. You are no longer simply the learners. You will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, Jesus says. You will be those to testify to what you have seen, to the truth of what has taken place, to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are my witnesses. The promise is so encouraging to them. They would receive the Spirit that they might witness faithfully to the truth of who Jesus Christ was, what he had done. And uh, misunderstanding about the time, misunderstanding about who's to do this, and, and their vision of the kingdom was too small, was too narrow. Lord, are you at this time to restore the kingdom to Israel? And what does Jesus say? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Okay, that's Israel. In Judea and Samaria. Okay, that's still in Israel. And, Jesus says, to the end of the earth. Can you imagine these men receiving this commission? Eleven men, given the commission, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It would be, it would be like God saying to our church, you will be my witnesses here in Chino, in San Bernardino County, in the state of California, in the entire U.S., and around the globe. Now, we're a congregation of 300 and some. That's daunting. Eleven men received this commission. Where, where do you begin? Where do you start? Just as they were given this work to do, 
God does continue to commission his church to bring the glories of the gospel. The work of mission is the work of the church. Recognizing still God's control in that. It is God's timetable. And that's, that's encouraging for us. Uh, sometimes we have it when we are uh, praying for someone, praying for a coworker, praying that God would work in their heart, and it just seems to go on and on and on, and we say, God, when are you going to do this? Are you now going to restore? It is God's timing when, when someone embraces the faith. Perhaps we've been um, inviting someone to church uh, again and again and again, and they, they just never seem to make it, and they, they, they always have a reason not to come, and we say, Lord, are you now at this time going to do this? It is God's timing. It's not for us to know the times and the dates and the seasons of God's plan. It is for us to be faithful, to be faithful in bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be faithful in continuing to declare that Jesus Christ is a Savior for sinners and that for everyone who puts their faith, their hope, their trust in him alone, he will forgive their sins. That's the glory of the gospel. That's the message we bring again tonight. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm absolutely confident that in God's timing, he will use that message, even delivered from halting lips, he will use that message to bring glory to himself. That's the beauty of the gospel. God, as we talked about this morning, God enlivens hearts. The call effectuates itself. God continues to be at work. It is God's control, yet it is our responsibility to continually declare the truth, to continually be his witnesses. For we, too, know the Holy Spirit. They were promised the Spirit. We are those who are the recipients of the Spirit, who, the Spirit who dwells within the church. And our commission is to bring that glorious message to the world, to all those around us. Well, you say, how do we begin? We start with those closest to us. We begin with those, perhaps, in our own family, sharing the truth of the gospel with them. We begin by instructing our children in this most precious faith. And we begin to, to have those conversations with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our classmates, with whoever it might be, leaving the timing up to God. He will bring the results when he wants the results, but our obligation is to be faithful. You will be my witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the story <laughs> takes an amazing turn. Jesus has just given this wonderful, expanded commission. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. He speaks, and then he's gone. 
I think if I'd have been one of those men, I would have said, oh, I wish I had listened more carefully. I wish I'd been a better disciple. They, they saw him go up. And even in that, as he speaks to them and then is gone, they see him go up and they see this cloud that took him out of their sight. And in that, they receive more encouragement. This cloud which took Jesus was not simply a you know, passing cumulonimbus cloud that he just disappeared in the clouds. So often in Scripture, when related to the things of God, the cloud is a picture of the glory of God. Think of God's revelation on Mount Sinai. The cloud is there as God is on the mountain. Think of God's revelation of himself in the tabernacle. When God's presence falls upon the tabernacle, the cloud is there. Think about uh, during Jesus' ministry, the Mount of Transfiguration, the cloud is there. This picture of them seeing Jesus go up and the cloud, the glory of God receiving him once again, is an encouragement to them. The Father knows he's back. The Father knows Jesus had left. Jesus says, wait for the gift of the Father. I'm going to be leaving. You wait for the gift. Again, being a, a weak and frail man, I'd say, well, you know, he left. Does God know? Does God know he's gone and we're ready for the gift now? God himself receives them, receives him from their sight. The cloud takes him away. And they know. They know that God knows that they need the promise. As, as he is received by this cloud who took him from their sight, verse 10, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. They watch him go. They're looking up. What's next? And two men speak to them. Why are you looking up? Why are you waiting? You received a commission. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Stop looking. Start going. Stop watching. Start working. Start fulfilling this commission he has given to you because, because this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come back again. He will come back, and what an encouragement to do the work they had been given. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Now we better get to it, because he's going to come back. And we want to demonstrate ourselves as faithful apostles, faithful servants. Now it's time to get to work. Stop gazing into the heavens. Start going to the nations. And this is instructive 
and encouraging for us as well. For, for some of us, we have been raised in the Christian church, and what a blessing that is. We have, from the time we were infants, been brought into the presence of God. We were instructed in Sunday school and in catechism. We've gone through Bible studies. We've been to worship again and again. And it's so easy for us to continue to think of ourselves only as disciples, only as learners. But we have to remember, we are those who have been given the commission. It's time to stop thinking only what we get out of the instruction from God. But how do we follow the instruction from God? To be His witnesses and to go. It's time to stop thinking about talking to that one friend about the gospel and to start doing it. It's time to stop thinking about inviting a friend to church and to start doing it. And I would say, even at this time, even when we can't come together physically, we can still go to that colleague, to that neighbor, and say, when we talk about what are you missing in the whole pandemic, and we say, we are missing assembling with God's people on the Lord's Day. In fact, next time we have church, I'm going to invite you to come with me. And we put them on notice. And it puts us on the hook to do it. That when church starts again, we follow through and we are witnesses. And we say, my church is meeting this coming Sunday. It is going to be a time of joy. I want you to come and to experience that joy and to hear the gospel along with me. We leave the timing to God. But the obligation is ours. Stop looking up into heaven. Start going into the earth. Stop thinking about sharing the gospel, being that receiver, that learner. Start doing. You've received the promise of the Holy Spirit. He dwells in the church. And so we have every confidence that as we go out and speak the words of truth, God will accompany those words. And in his time, he will continue to grow his kingdom. Jesus' last words, words of encouragement. There's a blessing for you, the Holy Spirit. Words of comfort. You, you're going to have a task, but you don't, you don't do it in your, in your own strength. And words of challenge. It's time to go. It's time to start. Oh, may God work in our hearts that even during this time, we stop thinking about sharing the good news and we start doing. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we praise you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We praise you for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that we are the recipients of that promise. As you called the early church to go and to be your witnesses, so you continue to give us that call. Help us, O oh God, to stop making excuses. Help us to stop waiting 
looking, watching, and help us by your Spirit to start doing, sharing our faith with those around us. It is the responsibility you have given to us, O God. Oh, we know the timing is yours. You will grow your kingdom when you are ready to grow your kingdom. But we pray most earnestly you would open our mouths to speak the glorious truths that we know, to be witnesses to the resurrected Jesus Christ. Encourage us, empower us, and use us for your honor and for your glory. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.